We respect and honour other churches who declare Jesus Christ as Lord. Of course we do. But vineyard, the vineyard movement has certain distinctives. We sometimes call it the vineyard DNA. And that's what we've been talking about. Some of those distinctives over these last five or six weeks. You know, many of you will know there's a famous anecdote about John Wimber when this hippie rock star, uh, 28-year-old, became a Christian in 1963. And uh, uh, he started to avidly read the Bible and go to church after he became a Christian. And he'd been going for three weeks and he goes up to one of the leaders at the end of the service. He says, so, so when do we do it? Do it? You know, the stuff. When do we do the stuff? The stuff? You know, uh, the bread and the fishes and uh, heal the sick, cast out demons. You know. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, well, we, you know, we talk about it. Uh, we pray about it. Uh, no, we don't do it. No. Oh, don't tell me I gave up drugs for this. <laughs> Less well known, perhaps, is the story of John Wimber's visit to the UK in 1981 at the invitation of David Pitches. Now, David is, interestingly, the father of uh, Debbie Wright, one of our Vineyard National Leaders. And he's also the father, with his wife Mary, of the new wine that many of us have gone along to and been blessed by. Well, John had, had David, Pitches had never met John, but through, he'd heard about him through a mutual friend and he invited him to come and speak at his church at St. Andrew's Chorley Wood, which is like, you know, just to the left of the M25. And John arrived, and he arrived not alone. He arrived with a team of 29 young people that he brought with him from his church. Kind of like mostly college age, you know, 18 to 25, you know, guys, girls. And... Uh, the meeting gets going, and John speaks, and then there comes a point where he says, well, any of you like prayer, you know, like ministry, just uh, come up front. Well, being good Brits, the good people of St. Andrew's Chorleywood, uh, they formed a queue, uh, like wait for John or maybe David to, like, pray for them. And uh, while they're standing in this queue, these young people go up and they say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And they start, well, they ask the Holy Spirit to come. And, well... All heaven breaks out, and kind of stuff happens that doesn't normally happen in nice middle-class churches like St. Andrew's Chorley would. And, um, well, David wasn't the only inviter. There was another inviter called David, David Watson, <laughs> who was the, the extraordinary vicar of um, St. Michael the Belfry in York. And uh, the next morning after the meeting at St. Andrew's Chorley, where John gets a phone call, word has gone ahead to York. Uh, John, we're really looking forward to seeing you. We, you know, we're delighted to see you. But uh, look, don't, don't worry with the team. Don't, don't trouble them to come all that way. We, you know, it, it's okay. We just want you. And John replies, he explains, uh, it's a package. Um, it's like uh, all or nothing. What do you want? Nothing or everything. And so the team go. What he's demonstrating, it's his maxim, everyone gets to play. And it's his way of saying that the Holy Spirit can empower anyone to do what Jesus did.
Was it ever God's intention for ministry to be the sole preserve of the religious professionals? No, I don't think so. We read in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Who's he talking about? He's talking about you, if you've said yes to Jesus in your life. He's talking about you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He's talking and he's saying you're all priests. You're all called to minister. It's like in uh, Philippians 1.1 where Paul opens his letter. He says, from Paul and Timothy, servants, literally slaves, of Jesus Christ to the saints in Philippi. He's saying, we're the servants you're the saints you're all qualified do you know what you're the saints and you know I was just in my time with the Lord early this morning I wake up even earlier when I'm preaching it was an early time this morning and the Lord led me to Psalm 16 and it says as for the saints who are in the land they are the glorious ones you are the glorious ones. They are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. Do you know why you're glorious? Because God is working in you. He's putting back in you his image. You know that when God created Adam, mankind, he put within him his likeness, his image. And that got marred, that got spoiled. But Jesus came as a man to restore the image of God in man. And that's what he's doing in you. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Holy Spirit is working in you to make you more like Jesus. And as I read that this morning, I was reminded of a great, beautiful song that some of us will remember from Marilyn Baker. Yeah? Do you remember that song? No? I've got to remember it now. <laughs> Jesus, you are changing me by your spirit. Hey, why don't we just pray this song? Just bow our heads and pray. Yeah? Jesus, you are changing me by your spirit. You're making me like you. Jesus, you're transforming me that your loveliness may be seen in all I do. You are the potter and I am the clay. Help me to be willing to let you have your way. Jesus, you are changing me as I let you reign supreme within my heart. And all those in agreement said out loud, Amen. He's changing us to be more like Jesus. Because you're all saints. You're all qualified. You know, the church isn't supposed to be like a football match where there's 22 people dashing around desperately in need of a rest, watched by 22,000 people who could really, well, they're desperately in need of some exercise. That's not what the church is supposed to be like. One of the distinguishing features of the vineyard movement is to put ministry in the widest sense into the hands of 
The people, everyone gets to play. And sometimes we play at home, and sometimes we play away. When we play at home, within the church, we've got a word for that. We call it ministry. Mm -hmm. Firstly, we could talk about personal ministry. That's when we, like we do often, pretty much every week at the end of the service, we invite the Holy Spirit to come. And we listen to the Holy Spirit. We respond to what he says. We may pray for one another for healing or for other things. We invite the Holy Spirit with expectancy. We believe he comes, and so he comes. And the Holy Spirit does whatever he, decide, whatever he desires to do. Sometimes we feel something, sometimes we know it, and sometimes we don't. He promises to come. He doesn't promise that we're going to shake or, you know, feel all hot or electric or fall over, but he promises to come. I remember a lovely lady called Sue came on Alpha, and um, we prayed for her on the Alpha time away, and uh, a couple of weeks later, she said, Alpha, she said, I've got fingernails. I said, what? She said, I haven't had fingernails for upwards of 10 years because she'd always bite them. And she just didn't know what the Holy Spirit was doing. He just took away that urge to bite her nails. And suddenly, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit crept up. I remember there was, there, was, there was an Alpha course where a lady was just praying for another lady. She was just praying in tongues. And uh, the lady, after a little while, the lady being prayed for started to cry. And she said, what's happening? She said, well, I didn't know you could speak Russian. She said, what? She said, well, I speak Russian, and you're just saying, and it means so much to me, you're just praying over and over again, my dear child, my dear child. And it meant so much. The Holy Spirit comes, and he does whatever he decides, desires to do when we invite him to come. So we have, when we play at home, we have ministry, personal ministry. We also have practical ministry. I, I read of a woman who turned up to an early vineyard meeting at the first vineyard church, and uh, she turned up early to find John Wimber putting out the chairs. And she said, yes, I can follow this man. I can follow this man. That we have 167 people on teams that week by week come and do welcome, do tech team at the back, the worship team. That is a practical demonstration of everyone gets to play. We have a maxim here. I guess it's common in vineyard churches. If you stay, you play. So if you've been coming a while and you decide this is your church and you're, you're not yet on a team, you need to be on a team. It's part of belonging. It's part of being part of the family. And, and if you'd like to be on a team, and you would like to be on a team, wouldn't you? Um, you need to speak to our assistant pastor, Hannah. Okay? And she'll sort you out. She'll sort you out. <laughs> oh. You can play at home, and you can play away. We have a word for that. Mission. What does that mean? Well, in a word, it means others. We, the church, do you know we're the only organization in the world that exists for its non 
members. The church exists by mission as a fire exists by burning. What do you call a church that doesn't have mission? It's called a club. It's called a social club. When we're playing away, mission means following Jesus. Isn't that what we signed up for? Yeah, Jesus. Christian equals Jesus follower. Yes, what we signed up for. Always focused on others. Imitating Jesus. Being Jesus. He said it. You will do the things that I've been doing. Really? Really? Do you believe that? Do you believe that you could be doing the things that Jesus did? Well, he said it. So if you don't believe it, you're calling him a liar. You're going to do the things that Jesus did. Remember that Jesus did nothing in his own strength. Jesus lived 100% out of his humanity. 0% out of his divinity. Because he left all the privileges of heaven behind. He emptied himself and became a human, he became a servant, and he relied entirely. Everything that Jesus did that was supernatural was because he relied on the Holy Spirit. What's the point? Well, it's exactly the same for you and me, isn't it? We're human like Jesus was human. The same Holy Spirit that empowered him and indwelt him is available to infill us to infill you. So, playing away mission, that means doing the stuff out there for others. What will that look like? What will that look like for you? I don't know. I'm not even sure what it looks like for me. Who knows what he has in store? But I do know that you are his workmanship. Ephesians 2, verse 10. But you are his handiwork, his workmanship. You're his masterwork. And you've been created in Jesus Christ for a purpose, for good works. The word there is beautiful, kalos, beautiful works that he's prepared beforehand. Why? Well, so that you'd walk in them, so that you'd do them. He's prepared some stuff for you to do. What could it look like? It could look like being alert to opportunities to play. Looking for opportunities to play. It could be as simple as an unexpected act of kindness. Just putting out your neighbor's bins. Could start at that level. Pay for the next customer's cup of coffee. Could be serving at Lighthouse. Or inviting people round. Actually, it's interesting that John Wimber became a Christian and then he went to church. He didn't become a Christian at church. He became a Christian in somebody's front room. He surrendered to God on somebody's carpet. Yeah? Because he'd been invited round. Anything done in love for others. Simple as asking, how are you? I had a friend years ago, Dave. He was a police inspector. But he had a way of saying, are you? And you know, it could produce you to tears because of the compassion in, in his voice. I, in fact, I'm going to just ask you to practice that. It kind of goes down on the you. <laughs> How are you? 
You know, so often people just say, how are you? And it's just like, oh yeah, I'm all right, how are you? Isn't that 99 times out of 100 how the conversation goes? Yeah, you have to ask it like you mean it and you want the answer, okay? Like I did this morning with Clinton, uh, who I sometimes see when I'm walking the dog. Okay, after two, it goes like this. How are you? Ready? One, two. Awesome. Yeah. So last Sunday morning for church, I'm out for my run with the dog, and I just turn a corner in the woods, and there's this guy, Ollie. Uh, I see him sometimes, he's got a little dog. And I just suddenly thought, I've got to seize the moment. Hi, Ollie. I've hardly ever spoken to this guy, just kind of wave. How are you? And he says, Oh, he says, I've got a terrible cough. And, uh, and, and I've got a really sore throat this time, this morning. So I just said, can I pray for you? You know, I did actually. I'm, I'm a Christian and pray for people. And he said, yeah, that would be good. So I just put my hand on his shoulder. And I just, Do you know the great thing about when you pray for someone? You can just say anything. You can. You know, you've, you've got the microphone. <laughs> so you say, Oh, Father God, thank you so much. You might say, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for Oliver. Thank you that he's just such a lovely man. And thank you that you love him and he's precious in your sight. So just get a bit of truth out there. And then pray for him to be healed. Okay? And, uh, you know, just, you, know, you just have to leave this to the Holy Spirit, don't you? Yeah, you know, it's not about me. It's about him. So that was just Ollie. Are you? Hmm. Where am I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, lots of love, lots of affirmation. I remember being at my son's church, and a chap got up to give a little testimony. Um, I think he must have been a builder, because he'd, he'd gone to uh, the builder's merchants, uh, Travis Perkins, to get some stuff, and the yard man came out with all this heavy stuff to put on his van or truck, I suppose. And, and the yard man kind of moaned. He said, oh, my back. And this guy says, um, he says, he says, well, can I pray for you? Can I pray for your back? So he prays for his back. Okay. A few days later, he's back at Travis Perkins again. And he sees this guy. And this guy says, here, my boss wants to talk to you. So he goes, so he walks along. He says, how's your back? He says, it's great. And he sees his, his boss. And his boss says, here, are you, you're the guy who prayed for him, for his back? I've got two blokes who've been on for six weeks. With, <laughs> if I get them in here, will you pray for them? The Lord honours those who honour him. You know, he honours us if we take risks in our mission, in our away game. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. The mission Jesus had is now our mission. What's the mission? Your mission? Do you know? It's to introduce people to the God who loves them. We get this. 2 Corinthians 5.18. Here we are. Christ changed us from enemies into his friends. That's great, isn't it? And he gave us the task of making others his friends also. He gave us that mission. You know, if, you're a, if your team has an away match, what do you do? You prepare. You train. So you're ready. 
1 Peter 3.15 tells us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So when someone says to you, how, do you, how is it you hold up so well? You know, how do you cope? Or how come you, you've got that kind of glow? This, this year, a few weeks ago, I, because they offered me four free lessons, I've taken up golf. On the first free lesson, there were 12 people. By the fourth, there were only three. And on lesson six, there's just me and the instructor, who's actually also called Oliver, from, um, different Oliver, from Barbados. And uh, he actually said to me, because it was just the two of us, he said, so how come you come in here all cheerful and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? Sorry, I'll get into terrible trouble at home. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, do you really want to know? I didn't grow up in a Christian family. My parents were busy. I had enough rope to hang myself, and actually, I was starting to get into trouble. But I got rescued because a mate of mine said, here, do you want to come to the youth group at the church? And six months later, I realized that when Jesus died on the cross, that was for me. And so I asked him into my life. And do you know what? That night, going home late along the A3 in the dark, I had this overwhelming experience of joy. I mean, it was so tangible, I thought I wouldn't be able to go to school the next day. And do you know what? I think it's never worn off. And that was, that was the 28th of November, 1965. And do you know what, Ollie? That was the best day of my life. My life totally changed as a consequence of what happened that day. And then we had a great conversation. I haven't got time to tell you about the next conversation. But the other thing that it did was it transformed my relationship with him. Suddenly, the relationship got a whole level deeper as a consequence of that bit of transparency. I took out a filter, and actually, he took out a filter. So, some Christians don't want to talk about their faith because they're afraid of losing the argument. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. He didn't say, you will be my barrister. Witnesses, what do they do? They say what they've seen and experienced. That's it. So please, prepare your story. Just like I had. One minute long. How did you meet Jesus? How come you're like you are? Prepare your story. Have it ready. Just be willing to share your story. Warts and all. Are you a Bible scholar? Maybe not. But on the subject of your life, you are the greatest expert in the world. You're the greatest authority. No one can argue against what you've seen and experienced. No one can argue against your personal experience. You know, and postmoderns, the people that we live and move around among, okay, they are more interested in experience and experiences than they are in explanations. Tell them your story, what you've experienced. Be a witness. 
If you start spouting authority, sorry, and do you know that your testimony is far more effective than my sermon? Because us preachers, we're seen as professional salesmen. But you, you're seen as a satisfied customer. You know, you have great credibility. And if, if you start spouting theology, they're going to lose interest. But experiences that they've never had, that's interesting. People have a natural curiosity about that. Sharing your personal story builds a bridge, a relational bridge. And Jesus could walk across that bridge from your heart to theirs. If you've said yes to Jesus, Jesus has given you the task of making others his friends. And he invites us to team with him in that play. Do you know that there's no greater gift? Do you know the greatest gift that you can give someone? There's no greater gift than to introduce them to the God who loves them. That's the mission. To help people towards an encounter with Jesus. John Wimber introduced hundreds, probably thousands of people to the God who loves them. Did he do that in church services? Not really. No. Mostly he did that playing away. People he encountered over breakfast in a hotel or sitting next to him on a plane or in the street or in the store. Do you know that Christians 50 years ago were really keen on Bible study? They really were. They really thought Bible study was the, you know, that's because Bible study makes you spiritual. You know, and if you go to two Bible studies a week, you know, you're really top notch. And uh, in the early days of Vineyard, John is, is leading a Bible study. Okay? And some woman, a lady in the congregation, calls out and says, when are we going to do the meat? When do we get on to the meat? And John replied, the meat is on the street. What do you mean by that? The meat is doing it. Not just reading it and talking about it and praying about it. The meat is on the street. It's doing it. Hmm. And here at SVC, we have a little helping hand with that. We have a really awesome way of helping one another introduce our friends to Jesus. It's called the Alpha Course. Couldn't, couldn't preach on this today without mentioning the Alpha Course. Is there someone that you know who needs an encounter with Jesus? A friend, a neighbor, somebody in your family, a colleague. Someone who needs an encounter in Jesus, with, with Jesus. All you need to do is invite them. Alpha, the Alpha Course is an opportunity to explore the big questions of life. And I'm told, I've been told, here we run a great Alpha Course. And actually, there are people here who've enjoyed coming on the Alpha Course. They've actually enjoyed it. They told me. They've not only enjoyed it, they've encountered Jesus. They've come to faith. 
They've experienced forgiveness. They've inherited eternal life. And one of those people is Serena, who's in our small group, and who quite spontaneously this last week led our small group. She was due to lead it this week, but we had a vacancy, and I was kind of panicking over what I was going to do suddenly, and Serena said, shall I do what I was going to do next week? And do you know what the subject was? Everyone gets to play. So I'm going to share a few things that I learned from Serena about everyone gets to play. Play is an activity engaged in for enjoyment. Yeah. You know, when you get stuck into this, whether you're playing here or away, it's great. What did Jesus say in John 10.10? You should know John 10.10, really. Let's have it on the screen. Are we going to get it on the screen? Maybe. It was a bit of a late entry. Touch and go. Okay. The thief, that's Satan, comes to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. Jesus is not a taker. The enemy is a taker. The enemy is a thief. He wants to steal from us our heritage of being witnesses, our heritage of being fruitful. He's a thief because he binds us up with fear of what people would think of us. We've got to get free of that. We've got to get those chains off. The fear of man is a snare. Let's get over that. But I have come... Jesus says that you may have life and have it in all its fullness, in abundance. Jesus isn't a taker, he's a giver. Play is a slang term, I'm, I'm indebted to Serena for this. A play is a slang term for making an investment or a trade. We might be spoken of as being a good play, or a bad play. Play is taking a chance, a risk, in faith, trusting Jesus. Play is often spontaneous. It's not scripted. Getting to play is often a case of seizing the moment. It's bringing your best play in that moment. Just like last Sunday when I was running, you know? How am I doing? Doesn't matter. I've got an opportunity here to play. You know, we read in Acts 3 about Peter and John went to pray. They were going to the temple. They met a lame man on the way. And he asked them for arms and held out his palms. And this is what Peter did say. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I got thee, give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Okay, they were going somewhere else, but there's suddenly an opportunity to play away presented itself. Here's a cripple. So in the name of Jesus, he was healed. Sometimes called the man who asked for arms and got legs. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Or when Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover. He, you know, it's like time's getting on. We've got to get to Jerusalem for the Passover. And suddenly there's this guy shouting out, Solomon, have mercy. He's blind. His name's Bartimaeus. And Jesus is, you know, it's like striding out. And the disciples say, shush, Jesus is going. He's busy. But you know what? Jesus didn't forget his vision. He didn't forget his mission. He didn't forget what he came for. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So 
He seized the moment. He didn't miss it. He played away. Play can be hard work, like 90 minutes chasing a ball around a field. But it doesn't feel like it because the very act of playing inspires energy, doesn't it? You know, like where Paul writes in Colossians 1, 28-29, Him we proclaim, that's Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone in all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Jesus Christ. He then says, for this I toil, striving with all the energy which he mightily inspires within me. Yeah, play inspires energy, especially playing away. Play is sought after freely. It's pursued for enjoyment. Doing the stuff, seeing Jesus at work, is exciting. Did you know that play is an important part, it's an important mechanism in development, cognitive, social, and emotional development? Children who don't play don't develop. Those who don't play don't grow. Play. It's a great way to grow. So who gets to play? Do you remember at school picking up teams? Will you pick first? I bet you were. Or last, like me. Yeah. Or maybe not picked at all. In Jesus' kingdom, everyone gets to play. We don't have to wait to be invited. We don't have to wait to be picked. We're all in. And if you feel like you're a beginner, that's fine. Bring a beginner's mind. What's a beginner's mind? It's, well, no preconceptions, no prejudgments. It's an attitude of openness, eagerness, a willingness to learn. Am I describing your life as it is already? What I've been describing? Yes? Yeah? I'm describing a life where you wake up in the morning and you say, good morning, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. I come to you with an attitude of submission. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let's go out today. We're going to go to work. And we're going to go to the shops. And we're going to collect the children from the school gate. But let's play. Here I am. Use me. Am I describing your life? Yes? Great. No? Then... What I am doing is holding out a vision, an aspiration. Have I given you the impression that I'm good at this stuff? Well, I'm not. I'm rubbish. But I'll have a go. I want to play. I want to play at home, and I want to play away. I'm desperate to. Are you feeling that you couldn't play? Are you feeling inadequate? Can't do it, don't have the ability. It's not me, Bri, it's not me. Great. The Lord's not concerned about your ability. He's only concerned about your availability. Your willingness to say, Lord, this scares me rigid, but I've just called you Lord, so here I am. Use me. 
You know, Peter and John, after that incident with the cripple, they were hauled up before the authorities, the ruling council. And the ruling council, the Sanhedrin, the holy guys, they tried to intimidate them and control them. And I'm reading, but when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, you know, they weren't the elite. They were unschooled, ordinary, like me. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The only qualification for playing, whether that's at home or away, in mission, out there, is that you've been with Jesus. That you're following Jesus that you're staying as close to him as you can. Anna, would you like to lead the worship team back up here? Well, I just remind you of Jesus' great suggestion. Do you know that Jesus gave us a great suggestion? No, he didn't. He gave us a great commission, a great task. And he said, he just reminded them, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. What's he saying? He's saying, you're not following an amateur. You're not following an also-ran. You're following and serving the one to whom, the one who's earned by his cross. He's won the victory. And he has all authority. All, not a bit, not 95, 99, 99.9. He has all authority in heaven on earth. Logically then, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And look, I am with you. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm with you. Always. We just bow our heads for a moment. What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? What is he calling out in you? You know, Lazarus was dead in the tomb. Are there bits of you that are dead? You think, oh, no, it's all in, you know, it doesn't happen, it's all in the past, it's dead. Jesus calls, come out! Come out! He's the giver of life. What is he calling out in you? Is this just another sermon to forget? Or is today a milestone? Is it a marker? Perhaps something you need to go and write in your journal about. Are you willing? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord? Whatever the question, whatever the call, the answer is yes. He's inviting you to play. What are you going to do with your game? Are you going to bring your old game? Or are you going to step up? Take an initiative here, a loving act here, an initiative there, a risk here, 
a risk there, a moment seized. Will you offer the Lord of creation your best game, your A game? What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is he calling out in you this morning? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit as we rise to worship Jesus, our captain. Amen.